We continue our study of the Apostles' Creed, and folks, I think you recognize this very clearly, but the Apostles' Creed is a series of declarations. They're, they're affirmations of things that we say that we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, for the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ. Is, those are declarations. What we're doing is not making those declarations so much as explaining what we mean or, or the content that is to be poured into those declarations. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, uh, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day arose again from the dead and descended into heaven, or ascended into hell. Uh, from thence you come to judge the, the dead. And uh, then from there you get this, this closing little paragraph of some affirmations. And the first one is this, I believe in the Holy Ghost. Um, next week we get to talk, well, if we get this that far, we get to talk about everybody's favorite, that we all belong to the Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> I've been fighting that for two and a half years now. Um, but tonight we, we look at this, I believe in the Holy Ghost. Um, gang, uh, this statement is found in John chapter 3, verse 8. And it says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, I start there for this reason. In this passage, that's, of course, uh, words from Jesus. The, the, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is likened unto the wind. The wind blows where it wishes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The, the wind goes where he wants to. Now, because the Holy Spirit is likened unto the wind, his, his, um, his work is necessarily more of a mystery than you would say perhaps the second person of the Trinity. Um, the Holy Spirit never steps into the tangible He's called the Holy Ghost. Um, he is non-corporeal. That is, he has no body. And because of those things, that he is non-corporeal, and, and non-corporeal, and he is not intangible, and is a wind and a ghost, it has given rise to a bunch of squirrely stuff concerning his, his person and his work. I don't know if you remember, I don't know, 20 years ago, we had this whole movement um, called Holy Laughter. Do you remember that? Um, it seems to me it started in Toronto and it ended up in Tallahassee, Florida. And I remember listening to a tape and, and I thought, oh my gosh, this sounds like Dante's Inferno. Um, it, that they were descending into the, it, it, Dante's Inferno and descends into the levels of hell and they got all these shriekings going on. Well, some of that is to be expected because the Holy Spirit, as I said, is likened unto a wind. He's more of a mystery. So what I want to try to do in terms of explaining his person and work, actually we're going to leave his person for maybe next week. I don't know how far we're going to get tonight. We're going to talk about his work tonight in two large headings. One has to do, well, his work of regeneration and his work of sanctification. Those are the two headings for tonight. And, and I'm, again, I don't know how far we'll get with that. Um, now, we, we talk first about his work of regeneration. 
Gang, let me read you this text. This is, this is Titus chapter 3, verse 5, and you need to know this one. Because normally when you talk to an evangelical about how God saves, they immediately go to the second person of the Trinity. Well, this text doesn't. Listen to this. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. He saved us, not by this, but by this. And what was that? The washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The, the work of regeneration is a saving work, guys. Um, now, back in the, when was this? The 80s, maybe? Um, uh, Jimmy Carter made the term born again very familiar. He talked about being a born-again Christian, and everybody went um, uh, berserk. I mean, guys, you do know, don't you, there's no, there's no other kind. I mean, if you're a Christian, you're born again. If you're born again, you're a Christian. And to say um, a born-again Christian is, is really tautology. It's, um, it's unnecessary tautology. It's you're born again and Christian. Well, <clears throat> anyway, he made that term. He made that term um, widely known, but the term that is not known, or at least not as well, is the term regeneration. And that's the term that is found in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. That's the saving work of regeneration. Now, guys, um, just so that you can, oh, that I can impress you, I guess. Um, Pella, yeah. <clears throat> That's the Greek word. Um, palagenesia, or genesa, genesia. All right. The, the preface is the word palin, I'm messing this up, which means again, or back, or renew. Now, this word should ring a bell. Um, it's the word Genesis. <clears throat> you know what Genesis is? It's the beginning. Uh, it comes from the verb ganao, which means to be born or to, to become. Um, this word that is translated regeneration is a word that means beginning again. Uh, beginning, a renewed beginning, <clears throat> or renewed back. Um, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration is this work where he gives us a beginning again. Or rebirth. Or born again. The word that you, you, you tend to know is the term born again. This one you don't know, but they're synonyms, ladies and gentlemen. The, the theological term is, of course, regeneration. Um, the uh, colloquial or, or the, the Jimmy Carter term is born again, but it's, it's, it is a good term. Um, but uh, what it means is, what I mean, regeneration is, that God does something, or no, God the Holy Spirit does something 
that produces a beginning again. Or a renewed beginning. Now gang, um, the Holy Spirit has to do this because the material from which he works or with which he works is material that is dead. Spiritually dead. And thus, because we are spiritually dead, we have to have a beginning again. We have to have a renewed beginning. We have to have um, um, another beginning or regeneration. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is performed by the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. And, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is where people, I think, stumble. Uh, at least, not, not, not erroneously, it's just that they, they, they don't get this really clearly. This has got to happen long before, well, I, I shouldn't say long. It's got to happen, in terms of sequence, it must happen before you ever do a, make any kind of move spiritually. Now, the text to which I would refer you is, of course, John 3, 3. And this is my famous theological quiz that I love to give that people continue to fail uh, after I've given it 743 times, I think. Um, it's a statement by Jesus, and he says to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot, and then I leave the blank open, and everybody puts the word enter in there, and that's the wrong word. It doesn't say enter. The text says, unless you are born again, you cannot see. Regeneration precedes Everything. <laughs> Regeneration precedes sight. Spiritual sight. Which you don't have any of it because you're dead. Regeneration precedes faith. Before you can ever embrace the beauty of the finished work of Jesus Christ, this has got to happen to you. And it's something that the Holy Spirit does. I'm going to put this up here now and then we'll come back to it. He does it monergistically. That is, he does it without your assistance. Um, mono, one, erge, or uh, energy, or power. Or, there's only one power operative when that happens, in it ain't yours. Because you don't have any power because you're dead in your trespasses and sins. So this thing is done monergistically by the Holy Spirit. By the way, it's mentioned in the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 36. I will exchange their heart of stone for a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within them. So God the Father is uh, assigning his... Um, uh, his spirit to go um, give you a new heart, which is called regeneration. And as a result of regeneration, you can now see 
And the things that you normally see after this has happened is I see my sin and I see God's great provision in Christ for my sin. I embrace that. But this thing happens before you see a thing. And and, and guys, I would say that not everyone is immediately aware that this has happened to them. It's not like you feel something. It's like, ooh. Ooh, what just went on in there? It's not like that. Um, gang, in fact, you may have been born again and not even have realized it, but the thing that you begin to see was all of your values begin to shift. Everything that you used to be um, uh, thinking was important, oh, that's beginning, that's beginning to change. Why? Because you have a new heart now. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and God has brought you to life now. And so you must not confuse um, um, conversion with your conversion experience. Um, Some of you who were raised in the church, may your tribe increase. You heard these things about Jesus for all of your life and then you woke up i mean you were sitting in the pew one day and some preacher was preaching and and um and you were sitting there and you and you came to and you thought you know what that's me that's what i believe because god had given you a new heart i you know i don't know what he did five seconds ago or five years ago but you 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 come to the realization that god has performed this work and it's shifted everything around. And, and by the way, um, well, I shouldn't say that. Um, but if you, if you had a sudden conversion, like some of you, like some of us, if, if, you've, if it was such a drastic thing, um, if that's true of you, then you are often suspicious of everybody else's conversion experience. I, my wife probably won't appreciate my doing this, but um, we, we both became Christians on the same floor um, in 1970 in a place called the Greenhouse in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And we were sitting, we heard the gospel preaching Matthew 7, brought us the road that leads to destruction, and the road that leads to life. And we were on that one. I mean, we were on the big one. And anyway, we both became Christians the same night. That was in September of 1970. <clears throat> and so I remember coming home from work, and there was my wife ironing. And um, she had Billy Graham on the television. And I thought, holy moly, we never used to watch Billy Graham. And, um, and look at there, we agree. It's the first time in my life we've ever agreed with Billy Graham. But we do now. Well, that was in September, uh, say mid-September. That Christmas, um, my parents flew down. We were living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And my parents flew down to see us. Now, folks, um, you know what a snowbird is? Well, you should be in South Florida right after Christmas. We went to pick them up at the Miami airport, and we couldn't even park in the airport. Now, imagine going to the Memphis airport and having to park out there where that M is. That's what it was. We had to park outside the airport. We couldn't even get in the airport because people were coming from, you know, Wisconsin because of, you know, it's after Christmas. 
<clears throat> anyway, we, we got in there, picked up my mother and daddy, and we, we had this, was it a two-bedroom apartment, baby, we had? We had a two-bedroom apartment in this place that my Christian friends called Pagan Villa. It was, its real name was Key Palm Villas, but it was brand new, and it was, you know, it was palm trees and pool and volleyball and beach ball and a lot of dandy games. And, um, and so my mother and father, of course, had raised me in the church. I'd just become a Christian three months earlier. And so now for them to hear that I had just become a Christian three months ago, they didn't like that at all. <clears throat> and so, you know, in the course of <laughs> our very sweet and, and calm and peaceful conversations, my mother got so mad at me that she locked herself in the second bedroom and wouldn't come out for two days. Was it longer than that, baby? <laughs> but it was all over this you know those who had these sudden conversions are now suddenly suspicious about everybody else's and so now you know my mother raised me in the church and i'm saying hmm, well i don't know about you you know it, and man she didn't take kindly to that, and, 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 and I, I must say, I was wrong. I don't say that often, but I was wrong. But I mean, it ended up with my mother, and you know, it's just a two-bedroom apartment, and my mother is locked in the room and won't come out. It was, it was a wonderful visit that we had. <laughs> um, all I'm saying is you've got to understand that what God does is that he, 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 he changes that heart of stone, gives you a new one, and everything, and, and not immediately, but progressively, you begin to look at things differently. That, ladies and gentlemen, is called regeneration. Does that happen? Um, no, no. Have you seen that? I mean, at age 22, it began to take place in both of us. Uh, some of you have not had that. Some of you have been raised all your life, and then you just kind of snuck into the kingdom. And you just woke up one morning and said, you know, that's who I am. But this happened to both of us. God gave both of us a new heart, and he did it by the power of his Holy Spirit, and he did it monergistically. Now, let me, let me pursue that word just real quickly. Oh, before I do that, um, I don't know whether any of you are interested in this kind of thing, but um, guys, there's a lot of references to the rebirth, in, um, and, and I've made kind of a list. Um, John 1.13, born of God. John 3.3, 3, born again. John 3.5, born of water and the Spirit. John 3.6, born of the Spirit. John 3.7, born again. John 3.8, born of the Spirit. Ephesians 2.4 and 5, God, even when we were dead, made us alive together with Christ. Uh, Colossians 2.13, you were dead, God made alive. Titus 3.5, I've already read. James 1.18, he brought us forth by the word of truth. 1 Peter 1, he has caused us to be born again. 1 Peter 1.23, you have been born again. 1 John 2.29, everyone who practices right has been born of him. 1 John 3.9, 1 John 4.7, 1 John 5.1, 1 John 5.4, 1 John 5.18. I do that because... Um, I think we're more familiar with the term born again than we are regeneration. They are synonyms, but you need to understand that this, this thing that God has done, which is so popularly known as being born again, is a palingenesis. It's a whole fresh start. It's beginning again. 
That's what the word means. Beginning again, or being born from he- uh, above. H- however you are m- most comfortable. It is also called in the New Testament as being quickened or quickening. That's all done by God the Holy Spirit. Now, um, here's something that might um, cause uh, some uh, an opportunity to really wrestle some. You cannot regenerate yourself. Um, <clears throat> this is in Ephesians chapter 2, but it's also found in Colossians chapter 2. Same, almost the same thing. He says, um, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. God made us alive together with Christ. Um, A.W. Tozer was, I I love A.W. Tozer, but he, he once said that his philosophy of life was this, everything is wrong until God sets it right. That was his philosophy in life. Everything is wrong until God sets it right. And th- but there's real truth in that. In terms of your spiritual standing, folks, everything's wrong until God sets it right. You cannot reborn yourself. That's what it means to be a monergistic word. You don't participate in that. God reborns you. God makes you alive He takes the spiritually dead and grants new life, and he does that by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's called regeneration. It's a beginning again. Isn't that great? (laughs) Um, Now, the other thing that that I would... um, I would have you to know concerning regeneration is it is this act that produces ultimately our union with christ and guys that is that's a neglected um slice of the whole theological pie in the evangelical world union with christ the the great exponent or proponent of um our union with Christ is Augustine. But I'd like, to, I'd like for you to see it. Um, uh, I, I, I've been tempted to say that the book of Colossians is a book about our union with Christ. I think that's a little overstated. But I'm, I'm going to uh, read from Colossians chapter 2. Um, For in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily. That is, in Christ the fullness of deity dwells bodily. And here it comes. And you have been... You, you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of God. Having been buried with him uh, in gang. One of the results of this regenerative work of the Holy Spirit is to produce our union with Christ. And I can't tell you how pastorally important it is for you to get that. Because I'm telling you, we, we evangelicals tend to be a bunch of navel-gazers. That is, by that I mean, we, we continue to ask, did I, did I repent enough? 
we had a, a staff meeting yesterday and the whole issue came up about, um, I'll tell you this, how about this? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Now, let me ask you this. What person in this room would say that you have confessed all of your sins? Every last one of them. You didn't? Well, then let me quote that text to you again. Um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, but did you notice the, the qualifier? If we confess our sins, and you didn't confess your sins. You haven't confessed all your sins. You know what? You need to repent of your repentance. You need to confess of your confessions. Your faith is flawed. You don't have good faith. You don't have good repentance. You don't have good confession. But here's what you do have. Union. <laughs> Union with Christ. Tell me this. Is Christ in him crucified? The only thing to which you look to reconcile you to God the Father. Is it? Not your baptism, not doing penance, not your confirmation class, but only his finished work. Let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, that I want you to know you are, this moment, in union with Christ. I'm just not related to him. I'm in union with him. And that, I, I'm making, because that's the effect of regeneration, folks. That's what happens, um, that's something that is performed by the Holy Spirit. But, but let me say this again, regeneration and your awareness of your regeneration are not the same thing. I don't know that you felt anything. By the way, go back to that in your mind. That John 3, 8 passage. Um, um, about the wind. Um, listen to this. Um, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, being born of the Spirit is likened unto the wind. Can you see the wind in operation? No, you can't. But you can see the effects of the blowing of that wind. You can see leaves flapping. You can't see the wind, but you can see those leaves. You can see trees bending. You can see dust being stirred up. Regeneration and the awareness of your regeneration, two different things. The awareness will come when you see the leaves start rustling. And the value system starts changing. And the schedule starts being adjusted. And your time allotments change. Now, that's not the regeneration. That's the impact of the regeneration. That's the impact of having God having given you, having given you a new heart. Um, so... 
I don't know that everyone in this room can, I mean, I don't know that anybody in this room can look back upon the moment that God granted you a new heart, but he did. And the evidence is that your life has been changing ever since. Sin has become more intolerable to you, I hope. Um, Jesus has become more precious to you. Those are all evidences of having a new heart granted me monergistically by God the Holy Spirit. What he's given me is the beginning again. That happened to me when I was 22. I don't know what had happened to you. But if you are here tonight as somebody who belongs to God through faith in Christ, it's because that happened to you. The spiritual work, by the way, mentioned in the Old Testament, maybe further defined in the New, but nonetheless real in the Old. Every Old Testament saint was regenerated just like you are. They were given a new heart. Now, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to stop there instead of launching into the second half. Um, but uh, once that this thing occurs, then something takes off, which is also um, the work of the Holy Spirit, which we need to talk about, but we'll do that next week. Let's quit there. Heavenly Father, um, we as people who were dead in our trespasses and sins, who, who had, didn't even have an interest in spiritual things, we, we didn't even desire it. But you have given us eyes to see and ears to hear through the inward change that you wrought by the Holy Spirit of exchanging our heart of flesh, our heart of stone, and replacing it with the heart of flesh. We have begun again in all of that, all of those terrible things that we did in college, and terrible they were, and scars they have left and even perhaps consequences but they are not held against us in eternity we have begun again by the wonder working power of god the holy spirit so oh god while the professing christian church continues to make havoc over the ministry of the Holy Spirit, would you give us a, a, a sound and clear understanding of what he's done in us and the, um, the newness it has afforded us. Thank you, O oh God, for this great work of redemption that you have wrought. We, um, we are yours by sovereign grace. You have uh, seen fit to draw us to yourself and for that we are everlastingly grateful and and lord we sit here tonight and collectively wonder why me there was nothing good in me that drew you to me in fact the very opposite is true and you have seen fit to give me that new heart. We, we bless you, O oh God. 
and pray that we might represent you well um, as people who have been made new. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, guys. We're going to have some dessert together, at least I hope.